Welcome back, fight fans, to TNC 175 for the week of June 15th, my 40th birthday week, where I'll be traveling to Detroit, Michigan, my hometown. Some more about that later. And any of my Detroit peeps up there, uh, make sure that you get at me and we'll get up. Before I get started with some news and notes, just wanted to remind you guys, we have Super Chat now here on the channel. We have uh, Patreon available if you guys want to tip the show and you want to contribute to MOB. Also, your fee. Remember, I don't charge a monetary fee for this show. I charge uh, an action fee, if you will, a participation fee. And that fee this week is this. Montero Unboxing, the neutral corner, is now available on iHeartRadio. We were finally approved for iHeartRadio. I don't know what took so long, but we are there now. So I want you guys to please go over to iHeartRadio if that's uh, an app that you have, if you listen to uh, radio and podcasts there, and follow us, like us, and as always, spread the word. So again, your fee for TNC 175 is to spread the word about MOB on iHeartRadio. That is official now. We are everywhere, man. Every week, every month, I feel like we are on a new platform. And iHeartRadio, one of the biggest platforms out there. So that's a big deal for us. Okay, news and notes. Um, not a whole lot of news and notes, but some fights coming together that I wanted to talk about. One really good fight that's actually turned into a really good doubleheader, hot off the presses. Let me give you guys this news, okay? So uh, Jose Ramirez, the WBC 140-pound titleist, and Maurice Hooker, the WBO titleist, they will be fighting in Arlington, Texas, on the zone, July 27th. That is a great unification fight. And you can make an argument that the winner of that fight is the top guy at 140 pounds. Now, of course, we have the World Boxing Super Series finale coming up between Regis Progre and Josh Taylor. You can make an argument the winner of that fight will be the number one guy. But I love that the titles are being being unified right now. Okay, so uh, also on that card, co-main, Murat Gassiev, Joey Devechko. I know I'm probably butchering that name. Heavyweight action is the co-main for that card. So that card is now turned from a, a really, really good main event to a really nice double header. That is a very good first test for Murat Gassiev at heavyweight, and just style-wise, that can't help but be a good fight. Uh, Devechko had a very good showing in his last fight against Sergei Kuzmin, a Russian fighter. So he's fought a few Russian guys. He's familiar with that style. I think that's going to be a nice heavyweight debut for Murat Gassiev, who's just as it turns out, is going to make his heavyweight debut before Oleksandr Usyk because Usyk suffered that injury. So sometimes that's just how these things play out. But um, that same day on Showtime, Gervonta Davis is fighting his mandatory, Ricardo Nunez, a fighter out of Panama. And then in August 3rd, a week later, Chris Ariola, Adam Kovnachi fighting on Fox. And that is actually a triple header. The other two fights on that card, I'm not really thrilled with. But Marcus Brown fighting Jean Pascal. I don't know why Jean Pascal's still fighting. Andre Berto fighting Miguel Cruz. I don't know why Andre Berto's still fighting. But that is an interesting, fun main event. Although I don't really know why Chris Ariola's still fighting. I just think style-wise, you're going to get some good action there. Some good crossroads action. And I am interested in that heavyweight fight. I don't think that's going to end well for Chris Ariola. But hey, Mexican-American fighters have been shocking the world in the heavyweight division lately. Maybe Chris Ariola can pull out some of that old magic. Okay, um, I see a few of you guys in the chat. It looks like talking about Zab Judah. I wanted to get to that news too. Guys, uh, Zab Judah suffered a minor brain bleed in his fight uh, last Friday night, June 7th, against Cletus Selden. However, some of the uh, news that was reported was greatly exaggerated. I saw several YouTube videos talking and some of these videos had like over 100,000 views with dudes crying, saying that uh, he was fighting for his life. That is not true. In fact, he's already been released from the hospital. He was never in a coma. Or Okota, yeah, I see Skovskod uh, in the chat. I see you uh, talking about the Mexican fighter that's in a coma. That is true. And that's not being reported nearly as much as Zab Judah. But Zab Judah did have minor head injury uh, there, I think, was a minor brain bleed, but it wasn't a major one. It was cleaned up very, very quickly. Uh, no major surgery or anything like that required. He's already out of the hospital, was never in a coma, 
he's in a pretty good place. So, uh, although you, you always, always, yeah, Sarah says boxing is dangerous. Yeah, exactly. You, you always want to take every precaution uh, possible, right, when, when something like this happens. But apparently everything's good with Zab Judah. I see a couple of you guys in the chat saying that the, uh, the I guess the feed is glitchy. Let me know if you're still seeing that, guys. Uh, so far, it looks pretty good on my end. Everything seems to be flowing pretty good on my end. So let me know if more of you guys are having glitch problems. But looks like it's flowing pretty good to me. So it's probably an issue with YouTube, guys. It's not my internet connection because I'm showing a good, strong internet connection on my end. And everything is fine here. So um, I think it's, it's got to be... Look, YouTube does these patches. They do these software updates. And I think sometimes um, they, they don't tell us on our end if we need to update something on our software. They just do these updates. And it causes glitches and issues with the live feed. It's not just on my channel. It's on every channel. So it's, it's definitely a YouTube thing, guys. I apologize. Hopefully it clears up. If there are issues, then just listen to the audio podcast, which I'm recording right here in the microphone later. You guys know I'll post that up on iTunes and Spotify. And now iHeartRadio on top of everywhere else. So make sure you just check that out later if this is too glitchy for you. Okay, back to the fight review. Saturday, June 8th, we had uh, action in Nevada and in New York, of course. Let's talk about what happened on top rank on ESPN, where Oscar Valdez scored a unanimous decision win over Jason Sanchez, who really wasn't uh, a very uh, heralded opponent, you know, not really a top-rated guy, but this was a good matchup for Valdez to work on some things. He's been trying in the gym, slowing down a little bit, working behind his jab. He used his jab well in this fight. He dropped Sanchez in the fifth round. It didn't get overly aggressive, stayed controlled. Those have been issues with Valdez in the past. But he landed 82 jabs to just 16 for Sanchez. He landed 33% of his jabs. Sanchez only landed 4%. So what that shows me is that Valdez wasn't just trying to work on focusing on the jab and boxing more. He was also trying to work on defense, which has always been... Uh, an issue for him he's always kind of had lapses in defense so that was a good quality 12 rounds for Valdez now Grandpa Bob at top rank he says that they want Carl Frampton next they want to fight Carl Frampton next if Frampton should win his upcoming fight I think that's a great matchup I'd love to see how Valdez looks against Carl Frampton if uh, if that fight can happen Valdez is going to stay at 126 if he can't, they can't get that fight, very, very likely Oscar Valdez is going to go up to 130. That's probably where he's going to go. And by the way, guys, I just talked to Jamel Herring, the new WBO 130-pound titleist today. By the way, he's an awesome guy. Awesome guy. I interviewed him today for a piece I'm doing in the next issue of Ring Magazine. And he mentioned Oscar Valdez. And of course, uh, Herring is with ESPN. Valdez is with ESPN. They both have WBO titles. Should Valdez move up to 130, then Valdez, I believe, becomes the automatic mandatory uh, at 130 with the WBO. So uh, Herring said he's very, very interested and open to a fight with Valdez. That's something that's very possible. We could see a situation where Valdez, should he fight Carl Frampton and beat him, I think that'd be huge for him, and then move up to 130. That's a big fight between him and Herring. So that would be awesome. There's definitely some possibilities there, a lot of different possibilities. Hamad, I see you saying that it's lagging for you. Guys, again, I apologize. It's got to be an issue with YouTube. It's not an issue here on my end because everything's flowing and working here. My internet connection's strong. So there's definitely something going on with YouTube that's out of my control. I apologize. Again, if there's issues with you guys and, and this video's lagging, listen to the audio podcast later. Also on that top rank card from Reno, uh, Brazilian, former Brazilian Olympian who's now 30 years old, Robson Kantzakau approved to, uh, I believe, 13-0. and 130-pounder, uh, looks pretty good. He's ready to contend soon, all right? Uh, Gabriel Flores Jr., a 19-year-old prospect at lightweight, uh, he won. Both Kantzakau and Flores won a unanimous decision in eight rounders. Uh, for Flores, you know, some people weren't impressed with his performance. They say he didn't look very good. He's 19 years old. So there's still a lot to work on there. Uh, I think it's great that he's getting some exposure on ESPN. But let's go over to New York, Madison Square Garden, Triple G Promotions on the zone. 
this wasn't a stacked card. This wasn't a card that the world was waiting for. It was what it was. This is Gennady Golovkin's introduction to the zone. Wasn't a top-rated opponent, and it wasn't a fight that everybody was asking for. But Golovkin coming back off a long layoff, a nine-month layoff, coming off his first technically loss of his career. Not everyone agrees that it was a loss against Canelo in the second fight. But you guys know my opinion on that second fight. I think a draw was just. I, I personally thought Golovkin edged it, but you can make a case that Canelo edged it. Either way, I don't mind this for a first fight on zone with Gennady Golovkin. I didn't beat up too much on Canelo with his first fight against... Uh, Jeez, the name, I can't even think of the guy's name right now who he fought. One of you guys will tell me. But uh, it, I'm just, I can't think of the name right now. But Canelo's, Rocky Fielding, Canelo's first fight at On the Zone was kind of a gimme as well. And we can sit here and argue who was better, Steve Rolls or Rocky Fielding. Steve Rolls, in my opinion, probably beats Rocky Fielding, but you can make an argument. They're on the same level. Okay, Uh, so and you can make the argument that fielding beats roles. You can certainly make that argument and that fielding's done more than roles as a pro. You absolutely could make that argument. But pretty much the same level of opponent, both fighting at MSG, where DAZN seems to be trying to build a brand. DAZN slash Matchroom are really trying to build something there uh, at the Madison Square Garden. That seems to be like their favorite venue so far. Anyway, man, Gennady Golovkin, KO4, Steve Rolls. I thought this would go into the middle rounds. I thought that uh, perhaps Golovkin would want to get some rounds in. But once he started landing shots, really in the second round, well, Rolls did okay in the second round. Third round on, the writing was on the wall. And I thought Golovkin did a good job boxing. He showed a couple new wrinkles now that I've gone back and watched it. Uh, a couple times. You guys know I was having that party Saturday night. I was a little tipsy. <laughs> so I didn't see everything going on, uh, every little detail. But you go back and you watch some of the things Golovkin did. Uh, he did shift southpaw a couple times. And the reason why he did that, he wasn't trying to be cute. It's when Rolls would back up. One of the a quick way that uh, you can catch up to a guy when he's backing up like that without missing a beat you could take one step and switch to southpaw as opposed to taking two stutter steps, two half steps if you stay orthodox, right? If a guy's backing up, normally how do you walk in boxing? You use that front foot, then the back foot. So that's two steps. You know, think about it, guys. Left, right, left, right. That's how you move forward, right? When you got a guy backing up on you fast, you could kind of speed up that process and get to him quicker if you just jump forward with that right foot over your left foot and then punch from a southpaw position. That's something Sergey Kovalev does pretty well. I've seen him do that several times against several fighters. And Golovkin did that against Rolls to get him out of there. That was a, a nice quality performance. It's what you want. Nobody 10 years from now is going to be talking about this fight when they're looking back at Gennady Golovkin's career. This fight was what it was. However, of course, all over Twitter and all over YouTube and everywhere else, I do see a lot of hate and criticism on Golovkin, but I just think that there's double standards here. For whatever reason, people are demanding that Triple G fight Demetrius Andrade right now. I don't get that. Do I want to see Demetrius Andrade fight Canelo, Golovkin, Jacobs, Charlo, the top middleweights? Yes, of course I do. The difference between him and guys like Canelo and Jacobs and Golovkin is they've proven themselves and they've earned those top fights. And Andre hasn't done a damn thing at middleweight. He should be calling out everybody. He should be calling out any fighter. Look, Daniel Jacobs just fought on the zone, right, against Canelo. If, if I'm, if I'm uh, Andre and trying to get those big, big fights, he should call them out. I see Prime TV on here says that Triple G keeps fighting bums, dude. Yeah, so there's a lot of people saying things like that all over social media. So let me go ahead and just give you Gennady Golovkin's last 10 fights from 2015 to present. That is the last four and a half years. And keep in mind, 
he would have been more active during this time, but there were issues and delays with Canelo Alvarez testing positive for clenbuterol that threw things off. There were some issues there. But the last 10 fights, 2015 to present, he fought Martin Murray, who was a top middleweight, and many, many argue that he got robbed in a championship fight years back and could have been a former middleweight champion. Willie Monroe Jr., who is not a world beater, but he's gone on to have a couple of quality wins and prove himself, I think, as a top 10 middleweight. I think he's still a top 10 middleweight. David Lemieux, who at that time was certainly a top 10 middleweight. Uh, Dominic Wade was a mandatory. It is what it is. Dominic Wade, not very good. Kel Brook, at that time, was the best welterweight. He did move up two weight classes. However, I find it very, very interesting that people who bash Golovkin for destroying Kell Brook and literally ending his career as a top fighter are giving Errol Spence the the absolute uh you know they're they're sucking him off and salivating over his performance against Mikey Garcia I do see a double standard there and that's kind of what I'm talking about but since then man Daniel Jacobs who is no less than the third best middleweight in the world and I do think Golovkin won that fight he dropped him something Canelo couldn't do and beat, he won off the jab. Although he did get punched a lot in that fight, he won that fight. Canelo Alvarez twice. And in between, and he's going to do a third fight with Canelo Alvarez next. And in between the Canelo fights, yes, Vons Martirosian. A lot of you guys say he quote-unquote ducked Sergei Derevyanchenko. I've talked about that matchup several times, why it didn't happen. And look what Sergei Derevyanchenko has done since. He's not the top guy a lot of you out there think he is. Is he better than Vanez Martirosian? Is he better than Steve Rolls? Is he better than Dominic Wade? Yes. Is he better than Martin Murray? Willie Monroe Jr. at his best? David Lemieux at his best? Kel Brook? I don't know about that. I don't know. I really don't. But anyway... The, com- the combined record of all these fighters of Golovkin's last 10 fights, 321 in 10 in 5. And that doesn't take into account all the amateur wins. Hundreds of amateur wins between these fighters. A bunch of different titles in several weight classes. Guys, that's a pretty damn good record for your last 10 fights. And then all of you go out there and say he only fights bums. It's just an absolutely ridiculous double standard. I don't understand why you guys continue to say that. Anyway, Joel O with the super chat. Thank you so much, bro. Let me get to your question here. He says, I have heard on a few other podcasts that I listen to uh, say that Triple G looks like he is fading because he was getting hit too easy. What do you think? Yeah, Joel, I was going to talk about that too because uh, I've seen a lot of people saying that. They were saying that after his fight with Willie Monroe Jr. because he got hit in that fight. They were saying that in his fight, I think in the first round against uh, Martirosian, he took a couple of shots. Golovkin gets hit. He gets hit. He doesn't move his head a lot. His style of quote-unquote defense, if you will, is to catch and shoot, right? He, he, he will take a shot to land a shot. He doesn't mind taking a shot that he sees coming. Yeah, yeah, Joel, you just mentioned the Van fight too. Yes, absolutely. C188 with the... Uh, Super chat pledge. Salute. Thank you, brother. Thank you very, very much. I'm assuming that's a brother. It might be a sister. Let me know. (laughs) I'm just guessing because of your name there. Uh, But thank you very much, bro. Um, Yeah, man. Golovkin gets hit. He's always going to get hit. Is he slowing down? Yeah, he's slowing down. He's not the same. I think the prime version of Golovkin was just when he first got to America. That really was prime physically. Now, maybe he's developed more craft since then. And maybe him working with Jonathan Banks, he'll d- develop some other little, little tricks and learn how to uh, better fight as an older, slower, faded fighter. I do think that training up in Big Bear, which he did for this fight as well at Shane Mosley's gym, I think doing extended camps at Big Bear are killing him. Yeah, Joel says peak Triple G was against Lemieux, in my opinion. That's pretty much around the peak version of Golovkin. But, you know, again, I talked to Jamel Herring earlier today. I interviewed him. And he actually did the last, he does the last four weeks of his training camp, at least the training camp for uh, Masayuki Ito. He did at Colorado Springs. The first few weeks he did in Omaha with uh, Terrence Crawford's camp. And then for the last four weeks, he said he went to Colorado Springs because he wanted that high altitude training. But he said a couple weeks before the fight, he got out of there. He's, he does no more than three or four weeks of high altitude training because he says anything longer than that 
it's harder for him to recover and it deteriorates the body. I completely agree with him. Uh, Jamel's not the only fighter who's told me that. I've had several trainers tell me that. I've had nutritionalists tell me that. I've had strength and conditioning coaches tell me that. So I think Golovkin doing entire camps up in Big Bear is killing him. I think it's ruining uh, his not recuperative powers, but his late round stamina. One thing I did notice about him against Steve Rolls, he's still not throwing punches and bunches like he used to. Look at the guy who fought David Lemieux, and look at this guy now. He throws a lot fewer punches, and I think it's because he doesn't have the energy and stamina he used to. I think that uh, training up at Big Bear for 10, 12 weeks at a time, it's too much. He needs to get out of the high altitude training, in my opinion. But there are huge double standards. I saw some of you guys on there say Triple G standard. Uh, I think that's funny. Yeah, man, there just seems to be a double standard. Again, I just, I just mentioned his last 10 opponents. And yeah, I mean, Hamed says Canelo has a much better resume. Yes, I think Canelo clearly, when you look at the list of opponents, has a better resume. But you could argue he lost several of those fights and benefited from him being the A-side, the financial, uh, political A-side in several of those situations. Where Golovkin has always kind of been, uh, at least against the top fighters, maybe it's, you know, uh, even as far as the financial... You could say he was the A-side against Jacobs, but was it really? Was he really that much bigger than Jacobs? The, the Canelo fight was right around the corner, yeah, but against Canelo, it wasn't A-side, B-side. It was A-side, C-side, right? I mean, you're going up against the establishment there. Those two fights alone and what Golovkin had to go through to make those fights happen, what you guys know on the record and what some of us know off the record, man, it's, it's a lot. And I just think that this guy, for whatever reason, he takes a lot of heat, and there's a lot of unfair criticism. I just don't get it. Meanwhile, guys like Demetrius Andre haven't done a damn thing. Jamal Charlo hasn't done a damn thing. And there are several other, other fighters. Uh, look, who's Charlo's opponent coming up? Who's Andre fighting? Who have these guys fought since they moved up to 160? And the same guys bashing the shit out of Golovkin saying he only fights bums are demanding that he fights those guys. Why don't those guys have to earn their shot? Say what you will about some of these opponents. Before, before Golovkin got Canelo, which was the prize, you know, he fought some pretty damn good fighters. I talked about Martin Murray. William Monroe Jr. isn't trash. I'm not calling him an elite-level fighter, but he's not trash. David Lemieux, not trash. Kel Brook, certainly not trash. Daniel Jacobs, definitely not trash. He earned that fight, those fights, the fight series with Canelo. And then when he got in the ring with Canelo, he beat him in the first fight. And the second fight could go either way, could have been a draw. So like he's earned all of this. Meanwhile, all these other guys, they haven't earned that yet. And I, I just don't understand the double standard. And, and when I respond to some of the trolling and the hating and criticism with the facts that I'm presenting to you guys... Some people just look at that and say, man, you know, like they just can't hear it. It just goes over their head. I don't know, man. Just treat every fighter equally. Every guy should have to earn that top shot. You know what I'm saying? Anyway, also on this card, Brian Ceballo. Good performance. Very, very good performance. Uh, New Yorker, 25 years old, former U.S. national champ. Beat formerly uh, unbeaten Kazakh Bak Bakhtiar Iubov in a uh, eight-round welterweight fight. Pretty much a shutout. And this, this, this fight, guys, go back and watch this. This was a textbook display of how a quote-unquote boxer should fight against a pressure fighter. Obviously, Iubov, the Kazakh, was the harder puncher and probably the stronger guy, the physically stronger guy. But Ceballo controlled him using movement. Uh, there was some Alexander Usyk in him last Saturday night. Really pretty stuff, man. Really pretty stuff. All right, we have uh, another Super Chat pledge here from C188, who asked, at 36 years age, out of his prime, Triple G still beat Canelo, the supposed pound for pound. Uh, yeah, so look, you can make that argument. You know, well, I don't even think it's an argument in the first fight. I think Golovkin clearly won. But yes, a lot of people are saying right now that uh, Canelo is the pound for pound number one guy. I don't agree with that. I, I, I do not agree. But he's certainly in the top five, pound for pound, Canelo has proven himself. Because even if you feel like I do, he lost that first fight. It may have lost the second fight. He was damn competitive 
in those first those two fights with Golovkin, and then he completely just absolutely dominated uh, with a boxing clinic. Daniel Jacobs. So I think Canelo has hit his stride. He's in his prime. He's certainly among the top five pound for, for pound guys. And Golovkin had an advanced age going in against the establishment as the C side against the A side. Clearly beat Golovkin, uh, Canelo in that first fight. So yes, that, that alone shows that the guy is legit. So, uh, you know, I just, yeah, man, all, all that back and forth with people constantly bashing Golovkin, I just don't get it. For whatever reason, he's one of those guys that just seems to bring out the worst in some people. Uh, and look, here, I'll be fair about this. There are some Golovkin fans that have just lost their mind, and you're not allowed to criticize Golovkin in any way. And if you criticize Golovkin at all in a legitimate way, some of his fans lose their mind. And they feel that, you know, I've heard people say, oh, he won 10 rounds against Canelo. He didn't win 10 rounds against Canelo. In the first fight, it was more like eight rounds to four. And then I've heard some of his fans say that he you know, won eight rounds against Canelo in the second fight. No, that fight was damn close, and you can't argue more than 7-5 either way. I'm sorry. So it, it goes both ways, okay? But there are certainly some double standards with Golovkin that I just don't understand. Harrison Property, thank you very much for the Super Chat pledge. He says, Triple G was face-catching a huge punch from Daniel Giel when he knocked Giel down and retired Giel. And that was some time ago. Exactly. And I didn't even mention Giel on my, last, on my list here because I was only going back the last 10 opponents. But there are people out there that will call Giel a quote-unquote bum. People who say stuff like that just don't know boxing. They don't understand boxing. Daniel Giel was a top 10 middleweight. And he was, again, I'm not calling him an elite pound-for-pound level fighter. Not at, not at the level uh, of Daniel Jacobs or Canelo Alvarez. Uh, we, we don't know. Charlo and Andre haven't proven themselves yet, but just off the eye test, Daniel Giel, not on the level of those fighters, but a good quality top 10 middleweight. And Golovkin destroyed him while getting sh- uh, caught with a shot. And it goes back to what I said before. Golovkin will eat a punch to give a punch because he believes in his chin and he believes his punch will be harder. Some of the best ways, guys, not everyone is going to be Pernell Whitaker in there with their head movement and everything else. Not everyone's going to be slick like that and be on the back foot. Some fighters want to be on the front foot. They want to move forward to be aggressive. And sometimes the best way for a fighter with that style to catch a dude is to eat one of his punches. I'm not saying Golovkin purposely wants to get hit, but he wants to be in position to land his punches. And that puts him in position to get hit. It's going to happen. If Golovkin ever gets stopped, and if he fights on long enough and moves up in weight, he will eventually get knocked out. If that ever happens, it's going to be a punch he doesn't see coming. The punches he sees coming, he takes them very well. He does very specific training, stuff I've seen him do in camp, off camera, off the record, to practice taking those shots and to be able to eat them. As long as he can see a punch coming, he ain't getting hurt. And he believes in himself, his chin. Uh, okay, a couple other fights on that card I should mention. mention. Uh, Israel Madramov, 168-pounder out of Uzbekistan, scored a TKO6 win. Really, really wild in there. Was looping and jumping, throwing punches. A little crazy. It was very clear he didn't respect his opponent. He can't fight like that forever. I like to see him settle down a little bit. And even if he has to go the distance in a fight, needs to chill out, slow down, and develop his craft. But obviously, he wouldn't fight like that against a, a higher-level opponent. Madramov looks real good, man. Real good. But like Golovkin, he gets hit. He's going to get hit. As long as his chin holds up, he's got a future. Uh, Charles Conwell, 154-pounder out of Cleveland, scored a unanimous decision win in a 10-rounder. Doesn't look like a future star to me, but looks like a guy that will contend. Possibly he grabs a title. I don't know. There's a lot of killers at 154 right now. If those guys all move up to 160, maybe he can wiggle his way into a title opportunity and, and do something. But I don't see a guy who's, who, I just don't see a star out of Conwell. But a good quality top 10 level fighter, I do think he will develop into that. And then also Ali Akhmedov, the Kazakh, 168 pounder, scored a TKO3 win for a minor title. 
Uh, and he looked pretty good. He looked pretty good. And that was in the co-main of that card. Okay, so that's it with the fight review. Before we get to the preview of this week, I will look over some of the chat here real quick. John Uden asks, do you think Andy Ruiz will ever be a lean machine before the AJ fight? He said he felt losing too much weight would hurt his overall strength. No, John, I think he's always going to be a big guy. It's just the way he's built. He was in shape for that fight with Anthony Joshua. You can clearly see that. Even him in shape, he's just a big guy. It's just his genetics. If he really wanted to cut weight, he'd have to severely diet, and he's not going to do that. That will affect his strength. So uh, I just don't see that happening. Let's see. Uh, the Kism asked, Warrington versus Galahad winner. We will get to that in just a minute, my friend. Uh, good fight. Very good fight that's flying under the radar. Anonymous says, hey, Mike, big up from Mansfield, UK. Keep it up and let the haters hate, bro. I love it. My brother, Anthony Montero, is on. Anthony, what's up, man? He's checking in from North Long Beach, flying on the, seven, on the 91, 710 bound. Good times. Uh, Prime TV asks, what do I think about Akhmedov? I think that, uh, look, is he ready to uh, fight the killers in the division? No, but he should be ready to fight for a title next year. I think he needs some fights against, uh, he's ready to go up a lower top 10 guy right now. Top 10, top 15, he's ready for that. And depending on how he does against one of those guys, ready to challenge for a title at some point next year, I think. Oh, Checkhook93. Mike, who was that Damien dude yesterday and did you knock him out after the stream? Uh, guys, so uh, you have to watch my live fight commentary to know what, uh, what Checkhook is talking about there. Uh, Damien was a friend of the, the guy who was hosting that party who came in and uh, talked with me for a while. I was doing a lot of trolling, a lot of the same old recycled stuff that we've heard before about uh, Golovkin from his detractors. And the previous generation, the guy that everyone beat up on was Vladimir Klitschko. He was doing that too. But he seemed like a really, really good guy. And I think he was playing some of it up for the camera. He seems like a good dude. And I told him, look, man, uh, you want to have a real debate? Let's do a debate on a Google chat or something on my channel. On We could go you know, talk about the resume of Vladimir Klitschko. Uh, we could talk about the resume of Gennady Golovkin, whoever. But I will say, uh, Damien said that his favorite fighter from the previous generation was Miguel Cotto. And that scored points with me because Cotto, one of my favorite fighters. So uh, it seems like he's a good dude. He just, I think he was just in a trolling mood. Uh, let's see. Uh, Hamed asked, any news on UCN Live? Hamed, I've talked about this before, but UCN Live is pretty much no more. Haven't officially disbanded, but... Myself and the other, I'm going to use air quotes here, talent at UCN Live. I know it sounds douchey me saying that. The guys in, on, in front of the camera, how about that? And the guys that were writing on the site kind of all talked about it. And the financial backers of UCN Live, some of whom are millionaires, by the way, millionaires who worked in the entertainment industry. Um, Prime TV says Coda was a hype job. Okay, Prime, now you're trolling. You need to shut up because that's just idiotic. Anyway, you took me right out of my thought here. Uh, so UCN Live definitely um, is just done because the financial backers did not want to pay us what we were worth. They stopped putting up the money. They stopped investing in the network. And it's a damn shame because we had a great lineup and some great ideas. And there were things that I wanted to do. This show, like The Neutral Corner, I wanted to do this in their studio, like a weekly show with real production and have fighters come into the studio. They were supposed to build out a studio and everything else. It just never came to fruition. One of the founders of UCN Live uh, passed away. And when he passed away, um, you know, that, that just changed everything. So guys, I, I'm sorry, but UCN Live is no more. And it's a damn shame because it was really, really good. Oh man, we got another super chat from Nurkan... Akhtiev. I hope I didn't mispronounce your name too bad. He says, happy to support you, brother. Well, I am happy that you are happy to support me. Thank you very, very much. Uh, and I appreciate it, man. I, I can't tell you how much that means to me. Uh, you guys that watch from all over the world with that name, I'm guessing maybe you're watching in, in Kazakhstan. Let me know if you're watching in Kazakhstan. Uh, definitely over on that side of the world, I'm assuming. So it's awesome that you're watching my show from way over on that side of the world. Thank you so much for the support. 
And also, we got another super chat from Foul Pole Boxing. Says, why is... <laughs> now he's bashing a guy in the chat. You're bashing Hamed. Foul Pole Boxing, I appreciate the super chat pledge. But he says, why is Hamed such a turd? Guys, play nice. Play nice. Okay? All right, let's get... First of all, I'm going to drink my drink. You guys can go ahead and uh, make fun of me for drinking my sparkling ice. You know I love these damn drinks. There's no sugar in this drink. So, you know, I'm, I'm staying healthy. But, uh, oh, wow, the Kism is coming from Bangkok here in the chat. Bangkok, wow. Southpaw asks, Kovalev in the World Boxing Super Series. I think that's what you're trying to say. Any thoughts? Uh, That is not officially 100% decided. It's being talked about. It's close. But that's why I don't want to report about it yet. Okay? I do know Frank Warren has been saying some things about some issues with Kovalev. Uh, related to VADA testing. I talked with the folks at VADA. That's not necessarily what's going on, but I can't go into detail on the record quite yet. I got to keep everything off the record right now. The situation's all developing, and we're going to get some news soon. It's a shame that it's being delayed like this, but we're not going to get that fight, obviously, between Kovalev and Yard in, um, in July. I think it was originally scheduled for July. Obviously, that's not happening, but... I do see it happening. It's just going to get pushed back. Okay, that's all I can say right now, guys. Uh, let's see. Yak Pushkin asked Jonathan Banks with AJ running joint camps with Triple G. Your thoughts? You know, look, I think for that, I think for that, something like that to happen, Jonathan, or I'm sorry, um, uh, AJ would have to be willing to come to the States. He'd have to be willing to come with the States. Uh, come to the States. And if he did that, Perhaps that could work out, you know, and, and I'd like to see AJ make a change like that and make a big, bold change. But so far, he, there's been no indication from his people that he will. I think that he's going to keep doing what he's doing. I don't know how that's going to work out for him. We shall see. Hawk1717, thank you very much for the Super Chat pledge, my friend. He says, I love the show and interaction on Twitter, Mike. Keep it up. I absolutely will, man. Thank you. And I appreciate that you guys are as passionate about this sport as I am and that we do this every Monday. It's awesome. It means a lot to me. Uh, By the way, I think I've mentioned this a few times before, but later this month, guys, we're going to start splitting up the show into two shows a week. You're going to get a review show on Monday, a preview show on Thursday. It's going to be the same time, 7 p.m. Eastern time, but it's going to be shorter shows, closer to 30, 45 minutes, something like that. But that way we're going to break it up and uh, the shows will be shorter. And that way we can focus and do a little more, uh, I guess, a little more detailed review on Monday and a detailed preview on Thursday. Also, when there's breaking news in the middle of the week, I can talk about it. Because a lot of times I do this show on Monday and boom, Tuesday, there's some big news, you know, and I can't talk about it until the following Monday. And by then it's old news. So I think splitting up the show Monday and Thursday is the way to do it, and we're going to be doing that pretty soon. But this week, I'm going to be hitting the road and going to Detroit, so I I can't uh, do the show Thursday. Okay, preview time. Speaking about Thursday, June 13th, that is my birthday, my 40th birthday. Uh, Golden Boy Promotions will have a card that's being streamed on Ring TV, the Ring website. And uh, really not the greatest card, but it's Thursday Night Boxing. It's free. If you want to catch you know, some fights, check it out. It's, it's on the Ring TV site. And in the main event, WBC Silver 108-pound champ, Sanicia Estrada, is fighting. So make sure you guys check that out if you got nothing going on Thursday night and you want to catch. Uh, she is one of the females that can actually fight. She, Estrada is, is, is a good quality female fighter. And she's pretty exciting. You guys will want to check her out. I've actually met her and her team and everything before, just at the gym in L.A. when I was out there. Really, really nice people. She's super awesome. Saturday, June 15th, we got action all over the place. So we got a card in Australia featuring the Maloney brothers, both Jason and Andrew. Jason is a bantamweight. Andrew is a junior bantamweight. They're both fighting in their homeland. And there's a card in the Ukraine featuring Artem Dalakian defending his WBA flyweight title. But the big fights in Arena Riga, which is in Riga, Latvia, World Boxing Super Series on the zone, the cruiserweight semifinals, doubleheader. This is a great, great doubleheader, guys. 
Yeah, DAZN's been crushing it lately. I love this card. So in the main event, Marius Bradis, former Titleist from, from that part of the world there in Latvia, going up against Polish fighter, former Titleist himself, Krzysztof Kolwaki. And now uh, these guys actually uh, have titles. What am I saying? Former Titleist. They had titles before, lost once, each of them, to Oleksandr Usyk. No shame in that. One of the best fighters in the world, pound for pound. They have titles again. So I think Brady's... I might have this backwards. Uh, I think Brady's has the WBO. Kovaki has the vacant WBC. I can't remember which order. Anyway, this is a unification. WBO, uh, vacant WBC. These, of course, were Usyk's titles that they're fighting for. But they're only losses to Usyk. So this is going to be a very good quality fight. I am really looking forward to that one. But the co-main is great too, man. Uh, Cuban fighter Uniel, Uni, Uniel Dorticos. 200 plus amateur fights. Former Titleist himself. Had a great fight with Murat Gassiev last year. He unfortunately lost that, unfortunately for him. But one of the best fights of 2018. Really, really exciting stuff. And he definitely had his moments against Gassiev. Going up against undefeated American Andrew Tabidi, who's the only American in this tournament and uh, in the cruiserweight tournament. So I love this matchup. This is a crossroads matchup. You got the experienced veteran who's been there, done that against a guy who's only 17 and 0, and is really a prospect making a huge leap in opposition in this fight. He's fought some good former contenders, former champions, Tabidi has. But just in terms of fighting a guy, you know, at this stage of his career, he's making a big leap. And we're going to find out if he's for real. If he is for real and he wins this fight, he's in the finals. And he'd be another American in the finals, World Boxing Super Series. That would be awesome. So, um, oh, we got another super chat. Oh, my screen just froze up. Oh, here we go. Super chat from Harrison Property. Thank you very much. He says, what do you make of Eddie Hearn threatening to sue the WBC if White versus Wilder doesn't happen next. I think that there's something in the WBC bylaws. These people aren't stupid. And man, when you look at the WBC's bylaws, it's like the tax code. It's so thick and convoluted. There is some language in there, some verbiage in there where they can get away with this. I really think they have been screwing Dillian White over. I think it's awful. I think Dillian White has more than earned his shot at Deontay Wilder. He has more than proven himself. And it's just ridiculous what the WBC is doing to him. But they wouldn't do it without being confident that they can't get sued. Sanctioning bodies have been sued before. It's happened plenty of times. BC was sued at one point. The WBC is the most profitable sanctioning organization right now. They're the biggest, most profitable one and they know what they're doing. So I'm sure there's something in the bylaws that protects them. And there's some weird, illogical, whacked out reasoning for, uh, for having just basically put White on the shelf. I know he did turn down a fight at one point. I can't remember the exact date or what fight he turned down. He wasn't happy with the money. But they're protected. Okay, so I, don't, I think Eddie Hearn is just talking shit, which is what promoters do. He's protecting his fighter in fighting for his fighter, which is what promoters should do. But I don't think there's anything that's going to come of it. Okay, so uh, also in the UK, I talked about the fights in Latvia this week. We also have fights in Leeds, Yorkshire, UK at the First Direct Arena. This is a Queensberry card on ESPN+. Plus. Part of that deal that Frank Warren and Grandpa Bob at top rank kind of have going on over there at ESPN, which is good stuff. Bringing us some good quality fights from the UK. And this is a good one, man. Josh Warrington, undefeated, 28-0, 28 years old, going up against Kid Galahad, who's 26-0, 29 years old. This is the third defense of Warrington's IBF featherweight title. And I think that this is a great freaking matchup. Do not sleep on this fight, ladies and gentlemen. It will deliver, I promise you. And the uh, Warrington is from Leeds, right? So, so he's the hometown guy. I think it's going to make for a great atmosphere. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. That atmosphere over in the UK with those fans, always a good time. Uh, Galahad has a little bit of a history, right? He was busted for steroids in 2015. He served a suspension. I don't know if there's any testing for this fight. If it's being done through UCAD, UCAD is shit. They're every bit as shit as USADA. 
They're basically the UK version of USADA. They're compromised, in my opinion. And I don't know if there's VADA testing for this fight. So, hey, I'm just putting that out there. Galahad does have a, a little bit of shade in his history. But anyway, I like this matchup. And you guys were asking before who I think will win. I think Warrington is just a stronger fighter. He's just a bull. I think he's going to have trouble early on. Galahad can box. Chad Fletcher in. He says, love the shirt tonight, Mikey. Appreciate it. Oh, you guys who can't see my shirt. I got the Detroit Bad Boys shirt on. Uh, This is when the Detroit Pistons were killing it back in the late 80s, early 90s. Tiffany bought this for me. And the back, she got my name on it. So it says Montero on the back with the number. When I played basketball, I was always number 11 because I loved Isaiah Thomas. He was my favorite player growing up. And that's the number on the back of this shirt here. So it's almost like a jersey. Anyway, I just saw that comment. I had to say something because this is my Detroit bad boy shirt. And I'm heading up to Detroit in just a couple of days. I'll definitely be taking a shirt with me. I'll wash it in the laundry first, all right, before anyone can make a joke before I go up there. Anyway, guys, Warrington Galahad, make sure you check that out, ESPN+. Plus. It'll be worth it. Also on ESPN+, Plus from the NGN Grand here in Las Vegas, this is a Queensberry top-ranked co-promotion. Tyson Fury going up against Tom Schwartz. The German. The Germans are coming. 24-0 German who has fought nobody. Absolutely nobody. I've seen some footage of him. He looks okay. Maybe he can survive because Fury can't punch through a wet paper bag. It's very possible, guys, that we see a sloppy 12-round stinker. I I just got this sinking feeling that this main event might disappoint. I hope I'm wrong. I hope Fury looks really good, boxes his ass off, because that helps build up the rematch with with Deontay Wilder. Skofstad says uh, Fury might actually stop him. I hope you're right. I mean, I hope he should on paper. You would think he could stop him. I think that that would make a statement because Fury really doesn't stop guys who are rated. So uh, Ozzie says, Mike Schwartz was dropped by a cruiserweight. So, okay. All right. So, yeah, but Rockstar1996 says, Fury didn't stop Pianeta for God's sakes. And Pianeta was shot by the time Fury fought him. So, I don't know. It's possible on paper you think that Fury scores a late TKO here. But it's very possible this goes the distance. And that'd just be a bad look for Fury in my opinion. But he needs to make a statement because Wilder made a statement in his last fight, right? Uh, now, you know, I, I bashed, I didn't bash Wilder for his opponent. It was the WBC mandated it, okay, Dominic Brazil. But he KO'd Brazil and everybody going nuts, saying, you know, what a great knockout. I had to remind everyone, it's Dominic Brazil. Now, Tyson Fury is fighting Tom Schwartz. Do I think Tom Schwartz is any better than Dominic Brazil? Absolutely freaking not. So, styles make fights. Fury doesn't have the power Wilder has. He doesn't punch the way Wilder does. I get all that. But you got to make a statement. You got to do something. Even if you win a 120-108, you know, unanimous decision, look like a, a boxing uh, god doing it. Box circles around this dude. Own him. Showboat. He's got to do something to make a statement here. He's got to keep up with Wilder, right? To keep that fire burner for that rematch. The fight I'm really excited about on this card is the uh, co-main between Sullivan Barrera and Jesse Hart. This is another one of those fights that I think uh, is, is, it was added on late, but a lot of people are sleeping on this matchup, man. Sullivan Barrera, his only losses are to Andre Ward and Dimitri Bivol. There is no shame in that. Joel says Schwartz is TBE. I love it. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, but yo, Sullivan Barrera is a good fighter. A really, really good fighter who you want to talk about a guy who's proven himself and willing to fight anybody at any time. That is Sullivan Barrera. I'm a big fan of his. And Jesse Hart, same thing, man. Only losses on his resume are to uh, Gilberto Ramirez. So he's a good quality fighter. I think these two, just in terms of style, are going to give us a great freaking fight. They might steal the show here in Las Vegas. I think that it was very, very smart for top rank to put on this co-main, it's going to help because that main event might suck. It just might. Also, female lightweight American Olympi- Olympian uh, Michaela Mayer on the card as well. And then Sunday, 
June 16th in Yekaterinburg, Russia, a card featuring Dmitry Kudryashov. Remember him. He will be fighting. Oh, man. So C1888 with another super chat pledge. Thanks, man. Uh, he asked, if Warrington beats Galahad, could he be pound for pound? I don't know. Uh, he'd be on the bubble. He'd be on the bubble. He, he, he probably wouldn't hit my list quite yet. Now, look, if he destroys Galahad and owns him and, and just, just gets him out of there in the third round or something and looks improved from recent fights, perhaps he's in the discussion, okay? But he's got to get some of those other top guys. I mean, his division, uh, look, you got Leo Santa Cruz. Is Santa Cruz going to want to do that fight? I don't know. I'm not sure. It doesn't seem like Santa Cruz wants to fight top guys. But Galahad, as good as he is, undefeated guy, yes, not seen as an elite level fighter. He certainly hasn't proven that yet. So if Warrington completely owns him, it, start, it starts to put him on the bubble and into discussion. But I don't think he's going to hit any pound for pound lists quite yet. All right, guys. So that is the preview for what we got coming up this week. And of course, I will be traveling back here to Atlanta from Detroit uh, for this weekend uh, after having some birthday fun up there. I'll be doing a little bit of training while I'm up there at World's Best Boxing Gym with Coach Jay. That's going to be fun. Uh, And then probably having some cocktails. And like I said, any of you guys in the Detroit area who want to get up, meet me, have a couple of beers or something and talk boxing, maybe we can do a meetup. Uh, Hamed asked, Mike, when are you going on three knockdown rule? You know, we've actually talked about that before. I think at some point uh, when I'm in L.A. visiting, if we can work out that schedule and they have a slow week and they're not having like a big guest come on or something, maybe I can get on there and work that out. I think that'd be a lot of fun. Um, I'd try to get uh, Mario Lopez. Uh, me and him would try to get Steve drunk, drinking some of that. What is it? Uh, Casa Mexico tequila that Mario promotes. So I think that could be fun, man. Uh, Tim Nick asked Montero live commentary for Fury versus Schwartz. I love to see your face when Fury gets KO'd. Oh man. Uh, look, if Fury gets KO'd, that's going to upset a lot of people that have a lot of money riding on that rematch with Wilder, but I will not be able to see that fight live, man. I'm going to be on a plane flying, uh, from Detroit to Atlanta. So I'm not going to be able to see that fight live. So no spoilers. Damn it. Joel is in Royal Oak. Joel, we got to get up, man. I'm thinking, look, Thursday is my birthday. I think I'm going to do drinks at this club in downtown Detroit called the Monarch Club. It's on the rooftop. I can't remember what building it's on the roof of, but I'll post some stuff on my social media. Maybe I'll pin a comment on this video here on YouTube, and I'll let you guys know. Uh, Let's see. Tro11Face asked, Mike, what do you think of The Athletic hiring Coppinger, Pugmire, and Raphael to do their boxing coverage? I don't know what The Athletic is. Uh, I'm not sure, but Coppinger, Pugmire, and Raphael are guys who are very, very well connected in, um, in certain circles that have a lot of influence and power. They do favors, and they're on the right side of the political fence and everything else. That uh, Okay, he says it's a subscription-based sports news service. Uh, well, you know, good for them. I mean, that's, that's good for them. I'm happy for them. And, you know, of the three of those guys, the one I like the most is Lance Pugmire. I think he actually does a good job when he actually breaks real news. Um, And he's always been cool to me. I have no issue with Coppinger or Raphael uh, at all. I think a lot of people beat up on him. I think Coppinger kind of puts himself out there a little, you know, sets himself up to be uh, bashed sometimes. And Raphael, they've had some really bad scorecards and stuff. But, uh, yeah, you know, I have nothing against those guys and good for them. But at some point, um, some of the new guys coming up, we will start breaking in. I mean, I, I've kind of broken in, you know, doing my work with Boxing Monthly Magazine and Ring, Ring Magazine. But I haven't broken in and done a lot of network TV or anything like that yet. So, um, oh, it's not Dan, Rafe, or, uh, Dan Raphael. Well, which Dan Raphael are you talking about here? Um, so I'm just sorry, man. I'm looking at several of your comments. Prime TV is in Macomb. Dude, yes. We got to get up. You control some more with me. Uh, Van Media asks, Michael, is your girl Vietnamese? She looks Viet. Yes, she is Vietnamese and Chinese. She is a Vietnamese and Chinese mix. That's what Tiffany's mix is. So you called it, bro. She's definitely part Vietnamese. 
Prime TV says she's related to Steve Kim, LOL, trolling. Eh, different country. <laughs> uh, Hawk1717 says Raf Bartholomew. I, I honestly don't know who that is. You're going to have to tell me. Rafe Bartholomew? I have no idea who that is, man. I really don't. Um, hmm. Van Media says, damn, I got the Asian radar. Yeah, you called that one. You definitely called that one. Because a lot of people don't think that she's part Vietnamese. When I first met her, I thought she was Filipino. Just because she's a little thicker and got some curves on her, which I like. Um, and generally, you see that with more with Filipino girls. Uh, and then Joel asked, Mike, your sister has an Asian boyfriend. The Monteros have a thing for the Asians. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, it just kind of worked out that way. Um, <laughs> Tiffany just opened the door here to my office. She heard me and just said, that's because we're awesome. Yeah, it just worked out that way. Uh, for the record, my brother uh, is not dating an Asian girl. So, um, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. See, my brother had to chime in. My brother really hates Asian girls. So, um, not like in a racist way. He just hates Asian girls. Doesn't want to date them. So, he won't. But uh, my sister, it just worked out that way. And me, it just worked out that way. It's not something we planned. But, yeah, it is kind of funny. Hey, what are you going to do, man? You know what I mean? It's the 21st century. This is America, damn it. Uh, DS Kennels, what about Asian guys? Yes, I don't know what you're asking. For me? Come on, bro. <laughs> Screw that shit. Uh, you know, hey, if that's your thing, cool. But nah, 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 nah. I, don't, I don't go that way. Uh, let's see. Rockstar asks, do Anthony prefer Italians? Yeah, and my, my brother, he really likes re really, really pale really pale girls with a lot of tattoos and like dark hair that's what he's into like the goth look i don't know if that term is still out there but um yeah that's that's what he's into so yeah i love this uh, this this chat went from boxing to a whole different subject but that's okay uh harrison property says my wife is asian it's a good thing hey you know hey you can't spell caucasian without asian right so there you go boom <laughs> Uh, my brother says, I don't hate Asian girls. I love everyone. I just really haven't had any relationships or anything with Asian chicks. Asians are not into me at all. There you go. Um, yeah, I, I get it. Yeah, Rockstar96, he's into goths. That's a shock. Yeah, my brother likes those. Anthony, what is it? Uh, suicide girls. He likes the suicide girls. I think, I don't know if they're still a thing or not, but the girls that, you know, have like half their head is shaved and then they got a bunch of tats and they dye their hair orange or some shit. He really, really likes that kind of kind of look. Um, yeah, I don't know. It is what it is. DS Kendall says, Anthony likes Juggalos. <laughs> you have to be from Michigan to know what he is saying. You have to know. Uh, you have to be from Michigan to know that reference. I love that, dude. Uh, yeah, my brother says he loves Italian birds, dark eyes and hair, light, smooth, milky skin, tattoos and piercings, dyed hair. Yeah, man, I, I just, I, me personally, I never liked the tats and the piercings and stuff. It's just not my thing. Not my thing. Fan media asks, are we Sicilian? So, um, my dad is. So I think I've told you guys this. I, you know, I'm known as an Italian and I, and I am and I'm very, very proud of it. But I'm also part uh, Eastern European. So I'm uh, a Latin Slavic mixture, but specifically, you know, Italian uh, on the Latin side and uh, I think Ukrainian, mostly Ukrainian on the Eastern European side. So take Oleksandr Usyk and Arturo Gatti, boom, you got me. That's me. That's a pretty good mix, right? That's a pretty good mix. And the Ukrainians are killing it right now. I should really, really rep the Ukrainian side more. Uh, Tim Nick asked, can I cook like an Italian? I cook pretty damn good. I, there's a few things that I cook pretty good. I cook some good pasta. We call it, we call it the sauce gravy. And then uh, I, I, I make a mean pie. I'm a very good cook for pizza. But, you know, anyone can make pizza, right? Uh, Van Media says, Michael claiming Ukrainian for the boxing glory. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? Uh, yeah, I don't know, man. It's, it's something that I didn't really know until later on in my life. Uh, you know, I, I didn't know I was U Ukrainian, but uh, I guess it makes sense now. Uh, if you look at my height and everything else, um, when I was younger, I, I looked a lot more Italian. My hair was darker. I, I tanned more. 
<clears throat> as I'm getting older, my hair is getting lighter and my skin's getting lighter. I don't know. I'm looking more and more Ukrainian. So it just, you know, when you have mixed ethnicity and like, you know, that, that's just what happens, right? Different features come out at different stages of your life. So I'm definitely looking more like a Ukrainian as I age, which is cool. You know what I'm saying? So uh, just, just as the Ukrainians are starting to kill it in this sport. But yeah, so I am definitely an Italian and a proud one, but I'm also a proud Eastern European at the same time. And that's a culture that I wasn't raised with. I was raised with the Italian culture and I'm trying to learn more about my Eastern European culture. So I'm starting to try to learn more and more. I speak Italian. I know Italian very, very well, but I, I don't know any words in Ukrainian or anything like that. Monteroschenko, holy shit, bro. Who said that? Grievous said Monteroschenko, bro. That might be the new nickname. Monteroschenko, I like that. Yeah, Anthony says, when Micah was a teen, he looked like uh, a young Brazilian footballer. True story. I got to find some pictures, guys. But uh, I had, uh, my hair is actually really wavy. As I'm getting older, it's, it's kind of straight and flat. But when I was younger, I had like a fro. I had a lot of hair. And it was like down to my shoulder. And Southpaw, Monteroschenko, Montchenko. I love these nicknames, guys. I might have to start using these. But uh, I, I was really, really tan. I go in the sun and my, I'll find some old pictures and I'll, I'll tweet them. But people thought I was from Brazil and stuff. They always thought I was from Brazil because I was dark, but I was tall. And um, they would always ask, like, where are you from? And I'd be like, I'm from Detroit. No, 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 no. Where are you from? What country, bro? Are you from Brazil or something? Are, are you from Colombia? I get questions like that all the time. Uh, now people just look at me and you're like, yeah, yeah, just typical American Caucasian guy. You know? <laughs> That's just what, yeah, it is what it is. Uh, C188 with another super chat. Thank you so much. And he asked, what is my favorite British and USA American prospect? Hmm. Well, our USA uh, Mexican, I, I, so I, I assume you're saying Mexican-American prospect, but also my favorite British prospect. My favorite British prospect, and I've said this a bunch, I like Daniel Dubois. I really do. And he's got a big fight coming up for him. Big fight coming up. And, and I think he's going to win that fight. He's my favorite UK prospect right now. And I think that because he's a young heavyweight, sky's the limit. Tim Shelby's Tim Sheehy says there are so many solid prospects right now. Yep, a ton of them. I could go on and on. But specifically, you know, just off the top of my head right now, I'm big on Daniel Dubois. I think there's a lot of potential there. They need to develop him more. And then um, for Mexican-American prospect, Virgil Ortiz, which, by the way, the new issue of Ring Magazine, the August issue, is out. And... Um, I have a piece in there on Virgil Ortiz Jr. And I think that uh, he's the best Mexican-American prospect right now. I really, really like uh, his attitude, just talking to him, getting to know him a little bit. He has a very, very good uh, temperament about him that I think will work well for boxing. And um, I think he's got a really, really bright future. I think Dubois, as long as he is developed the right way, has a bright future. They do not need to rush him into anything. He's like 21 years old. Take your time, develop him, get him some rounds. But maybe by the end of next year, somewhere in there, he's going to be ready to start contending, man. I really think so. And he's going to lose a couple of fights. But it, as long as he can bounce back from that and learn, I think he's got a real future, man. Because uh, heavyweight's age, as a heavyweight, you don't really start getting old until your mid-30s. So, man, he's got over a decade of fighting to do if he wants to. So uh, I just, I think he's a UK prospect that I'm excited about. Uh, let's see. You know, Tro11Face has a good question here. He says, yo, Montero and chat. Who's the next British fighter to win a world title, Oakley or Boatze? I think it's Boatze over Oakley. I think it's Boatze. He looks good. You know what? He might look better than Daniel Dubois. Uh, I just think that there's more potential upside with Daniel Dubois. But uh, Boatze, I think, is probably that next guy. He looks really, really good. And I can understand um, that uh, a lot of you guys would be excited about him. Hamed makes a good point. Okuli 200 is a poor division. 175 is a tough division. That's very, very true. Uh, so you might have a point there with that, Hamed. But I still like 
uh, man, I, I just, Boatze looks really, really good. Really good. And that 175-pound division continues to deliver. But very good point by Ahmed. That's a tough division. And Okoli, Okoli fights in a pretty weak division now that Usyk and Gassiev have moved up. Uh, but there are some good fighters at the very, very top of that division. So it really depends on how the World Boxing Super Series plays out and where all those titles go. But man, I like Boazzi a lot. Southpaw says Boazzi got the tools. I concur. All right, guys. I think that's it for this week, man. Some good stuff from you guys in the chat, man. Really, really good stuff. Sean Newton Boxing made a really, really good point. You guys were talking about Josh Kelly having a tough time in his last fight. But he said, good, good learning fight for Kelly. I fully agree. Don't, don't give up on Josh Kelly yet. He still has a ton of potential, man. Prospects have tough fights all the time. You can't look amazing. There are only so many Teofimo Lopez's. And at some point, trust me, he's going to look human. It might be his next fight. All right? Um, every prospect has that fight where, you know, maybe you barely squeak by. Maybe you get some favoritism from the judges and get away with one. Floyd Mayweather had that, okay? Everybody has that at some point, or almost everybody. Don't give up on Josh Kelly yet. He still has a lot of potential, and he could certainly learn from that fight. Great point from Sean Newton. All right, guys, I think that's... uh, Hamed says Kelly needs to stop showboating. Yeah, I agree. I've been saying that for a while. But, uh, yeah, a few of you guys are saying that. Rotor Sports is saying, I just wish Kelly stopped acting and just fought. I agree. He's going to have to do that. I think he realizes that now, hopefully. But guys, we've been going here for 71 minutes here on YouTube. Uh, on the, uh, I will cut out some of, the, some of the fat up front when we had some technical issues on the audio podcast. But So I'm going to wish myself a happy 40th birthday. I'm going to ask that you guys all like this damn video. Like the video. We don't have enough likes yet. There's a lot of you on the chat. You're not liking the video. Make sure you do that. And then um, spread the word about MOB on iHeartRadio. We are now on iHeartRadio. So make sure you guys spread the word. And if at some point while I'm in Detroit, I can get on and do a live video somewhere and just share my birthday with you guys, I'll try to do that. I just don't know if I'll be somewhere where there's uh, good enough audio and good enough internet quality to do that. But if there's any way possible I can do that, I'll do it and I'll say hi to you guys on my 40th birthday. That'd mean a lot to me uh, to share that with you guys. All right. So thank you very, very much. Remember your fee and I'll see you at the fights.